Amen. Well, thank you so much. Today, we're in this series wrapping up what's next. And when I think about what, y'all go protect us down there. If you go down there and you're mean to uh, the preschool workers, those are the guys that shoot you. In love. So this is the last week of what's next. We're, we're of the opinion that everybody has a next, kind of like Bobby was talking about uh, membership. Maybe that's your next, but we all have a next. Now, the thing is, when it comes to next, that we, we, we all struggle with two things. And we said this every week talking about next, right? Counseling 101 says something has to change. Regardless of where you're at or what you're dealing with, you got to deal with change. Because it, until something changes, nothing changes. So if you're stuck in something, you're stuck in the middle of something, and you're trying to figure out, what do I have to do? Well, the, the chances are that you need a change. Uh, if your marriage isn't working right, you need to make a change. If your money's not working right, you got to make a change. If relationships are bad, you got to make a change. Nothing changes until something changes. But along with that, your primary role when you think about change is try to decide what's next. What's next in my life? Now, don't worry about what's three months from now. Worry about what's the very next best for you. And so when we think about this, it's to recognize that we have the opportunity and privilege to serve one another and make a difference. You say, but how is that change going to help me? And that's the right question. How does this privilege to serve others, to care for others, to love on others, to meet other people need, how in the world does that help me? Well, let's take a step back. The purpose in this life is to discover the gift that God has given you to this world. Now, the, the meaning of life then is to give that gift away. So a few weeks ago when we talked about spiritual gifts, one of the things we tried to say was, as a follower of Jesus, one of the primary roles you have is to figure out what are my gifts and how do I use them? Well, I want us to go straight to the scriptures, and I don't want you to miss this. In John chapter 15 and in verse 8, we read some pretty cool stuff. This is to my Father's glory. So now, there's the clue. Who is saying these words? Jesus, the Lord the son of a living God, he's the one saying the words. And he says, all of this that I'm about to say, all of this is about my father's glory. And then he says, it's because I want you to bear, and I watch these two words, much fruit. All right, what is the job of an apple tree? Grow apples, right? I mean, you, you, you harvest apples. If you, then why, why plant an apple tree if you don't want apples? Why would you plant tomatoes? Do you want to put, cut them up put them on your salad? A, a tomato plant that doesn't bear any tomatoes is useless and ugly. I mean, its only purpose is to have tomatoes. Well, the, what Jesus is saying is, my Father, God, your Creator, has designed you to bear not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. So in the human sense, every time we hear Jesus talking about fruit, every time in the New Testament we hear about fruit, we have to recognize that we have a purpose, we have a reason, and that reason is to bear fruit. And the fruit that we are to bear are his good things. Are you ready? If you didn't write that down, that you missed it. For you to bear good fruit is that you are doing Jesus things, God things. As Jenny would call it, God winks. Part, part of that's your journey. Then he says, when you do that, you're showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, when you do good, 
then you're doing that because that's the Father's glory in you. And don't just do a little good, do a lot good. And when you do that, that's how people are going to know you love me. And then he says, I have told you this so that, now watch this, my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. Look at the circles, all right? So that my joy, Jesus, his joy, the joy in Christ, the joy that is heaven sent, the joy that never stops, the joy that is unspeakable, the joy that's beyond our comprehension, I want my joy to be in you so that your joy could be fully complete. So like if you, if you have a meter in your soul and, and, and you're measuring joy and you say, okay, my soul is this big, but my joy meter's right here. Then you say, I want to have more joy in my life. I want to have more peace, fulfillment, contentment, happiness. I want that in my life. You say, but, but it's here, Chuck. I mean, I got to get filled up. What's going to fill that up? And you could say, well, you know, a better job, more money, a, a, a different spouse, my, my kids behaving, a job that would be better. All those things. The problem is all of those are just going to bump the needle a little bit, but they're going to keep settling down. Because inevitably, you're going to get right there. And inside, your soul is saying, wait a minute, you, the joy's being sucked out of your life with everything going on in the world today. I want more joy. Jesus says, if you want more joy in your life, remember the Father's glory that made you. God, the Creator, wants you to bear fruit. In other words, He planted you so that you would bear fruit, and that fruit is His good work, showing yourself to be my disciples. When you do that, you're acting like me. And then he goes on and says, I've told you this for a really cool purpose. And that purpose is that Jesus's joy is in you. You say, well, Chuck, I, I wouldn't mind a little Jesus joy. Well, then it's pretty clear. He wants you to have the whole thing. He, he wants you to fill it up. And he says, you fill it up when you take on the Father's glory and you bear much fruit. Because look at what 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you now, he didn't say he gave some of you. He gave each of you. So in other words, he gave all of you a gift from his great variety. Look at that word, variety. Aren't you grateful the world's not full of just people like you? Like I, I had to think this week when I, was, when I was working through this sermon, I thought, I am so grateful that the world doesn't have more Chuck. I mean, the last thing this world needs more of me. It would, we'd be at war all the time. I will say this, Alabama would never win another football game as long as I live, though. <laughs> Ever. Forever. That's beside the point. But he said, he's given you a gift from great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? To serve one another. Not to serve you, to serve others. The reason God has planted you here and the reason that he has you to bear gifts is for the good of others. Now, this is the greatest thing that's happening. So many of us are productivity people. You wake up early, you get your list, you work your list. And then others of you are like, no, nah, not so much like that. I just kind of go with the flow. And then there's others of you that just want to hide. And then there's other of you that you're just sure you're in charge of all things, so you don't need a list. And so we got all kinds of people in the room, right? And, and you know who I'm talking about. But the, but, but the weird thing about it all is, all of us have one thing in common. We all want to be happier. We all want to be more fulfilled. 
Nobody woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, brushed their teeth, combed their hair, got ready for church and said, when I go to church, bless God, I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to let everybody around me know how miserable I am. Are you with me? Just one yes. Just are you with me? Okay, that was fake, but I'll take it. Watch this. The Wall Street Journal reported on a medical study that discovered acts of generosity and kindness release neurochemicals in our brain that bring us great pleasure and satisfaction. God created us to enjoy giving to others. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Come on, it doesn't get any better this. Now, now watch this, okay? I want to make sure that you get this, all right? Uh, let me change my color here. All right, there we go. So that's a bad description of heaven. And here is God, our creator, right? Okay, there he is, right there. All, you know, just go ahead and look up. There he is, got it? All right, now down here is me and you. Let's give this guy kind of a not so happy look, all right? So here we are. Now, now watch this. God looks at us and says, I am going to impart to you this wonderful thing called grace. And I'm going to give you enough grace for anything and everything that you're going to face. I'm going to unpack grace for you. Now, grace is that thing that you can't earn, you can't buy, and you don't deserve. Grace is when God looks at you and says, you have totally screwed this whole deal up, and I still love you so much, I'll do anything to get you out of this. Are you with me? Just one yes, are you with me? I'm going to keep going till you all talk to me, I promise you. I, like the 9 o'clock crowd, I give them grace because most of them are lazy churchgoers, all right? They just sit here, and when I say something like that, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're 11 o'clock. You've had more coffee. It deserves a little more than, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right? So... God imparts to us grace that we do not deserve. Lord have mercy, i got to keep asking for it. All right, now watch this. He extends grace. And by the way, here's your neighbors and your coworkers and your family and that one kid you have that's just driving you bat crazy. All right? Now, he extends this grace to us. Now, watch this. Because he wants you to receive this grace and then let the valve open and pour it out to everybody else. Grace is not to be stockpiled because grace will evaporate unless you use it. Are you with me? So God opens up the valve, fills you with grace that you need so that you can pass that on to those the fountain never stinking stops. It keeps going. But when we stop receiving God's grace because we're so selfish, we won't pass it on, then our soul meter in joy and peace and fulfillment and contentment stays down here. You see, watch this. This is contingent on you, not God. God has all the grace that you could ever want, need, or give away. You cannot give away enough grace. But he says to you, this good work that I've called you to is, I want to open the valve of grace. He says, use them well. Use those gifts each. Use them well. Why? To serve one another. 
Now watch this. You are a part of God's plan. You might be saying, nope, not me, Chuck. Uh-uh. I am not a part of God's plan. I am just going through life. I just want to keep my head down. I don't want to get in trouble. Well, <coughs> friend, listen, the fastest way for you to not be critiqued by anybody is to do nothing, say nothing, try nothing, and act on nothing. That's how you're going to get non-critiqued. If, if you're going to try to do anything that matters, there's somebody going to tell you you're a goofball. Now, and you might be. But man, I can't imagine going through this life knowing that God's given me gifts to go to work and be used for something that matters and just say, no, I'm going to shut it down, knowing he's got a plan for you. Seven billion people, and he still has a plan for you. But watch this. He also says, with that plan, I'm calling on you, and I want you to make a difference. There are people that show up in my office and say, Pastor Chuck, I just want to make a difference with my life. And then I would say, then go do something for somebody. Well, Chuck, the church needs to have a plan. Let me stop. I want to be clear here, all right? Let me go back a couple times. I'll go back to my drawing. God's disbursement of grace is not dependent on the church's programmatic plan of missions. It is determined on your willingness to disperse the grace you have received nonstop by loving others on your own without anybody's plan, including when it's spontaneous and God puts somebody in your path and you think, wait a minute, I wonder if God has them in my path. And your soul says, step up. Now that's grace. One person got fired up. Everybody else said, you know what, Chuck? I just, you know, that, that's not for me. I, I want to live a nice, quiet life. Well, watch that. The reason that you are here is because God has a plan for you, for you to make a difference. Well, Chuck, I don't know. I mean, that's not really for me. Well, listen to Mark 10. You ready? You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, now watch this. I love this part. Jesus says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Now, wait a minute, Chuck. Now, you had me till I got there. Do you understand how important I am, Chuck? I mean, really, I'm a big deal. I, I'm, I'm not a servant. I've lived past that. I've earned my right. We haven't earned Jack. Whatever we have is because God loves us. Whatever we have is because of his grace. He says, you want to be great, become a servant. Nobody woke up this morning and also said, I don't want to count for anything. I want to count for something than choose to be a servant. Jesus says, you want to be great? Become a servant. Now, you could say, well, what does that really mean? Well, listen to how he described himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, wait a minute. I've come to serve others. If anybody deserves it, the Son of the living God deserves to be served. And he said, no, it's me. I'm going to serve and you should do as I do. Look at what John 13, 7 says. Now that you know these things, Jesus is saying, now that you know that your job here is to serve others, then he gives you the ROI on your investment. He says, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, let me just take a quick unscientific poll here. Is there anybody in this room that would say, Chuck, I don't want God to bless Because, listen, if, if you had raised your hand, I would have lovingly said, are you on crack? <laughs> of course you want God's richest blessing, right? And he says, well, then if you want it, it's there for you 
Grab it. How do you grab it? Love other people. How do I do that? How about we just be nice? How about if we just stop hate-filled speak? How about if we're just gracious? How about if we act more like Christ and we stop fussing and fuming on social media? How about when people don't vote the way we do, we still love them? Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, well, Chuck, if they really love Jesus, stop that. If, if you really love Jesus, you'd love him. Yeah, well, but Chuck, no, there's no but Chuck after that. Listen, this isn't my rule. This is his promise. Now that you know that you should bear much fruit, do it. And when you do that, I'm going to bless you. That is an open and shut case. I, I, I can't even fathom how you'd walk out of this room today and this afternoon God put something in your path to just be nice about I went to Publix the other day and this little girl that was ringing me up you could tell she she was something she I bet she was like five four a buck 25 soaking wet and she was scanning groceries faster than any human I've ever seen she was a beast and it was like boom boom Boom. And she knew where every barcode was. You know, when I do that self-checkout thing, it's like, where's it at? And, you know, and, but she's like, bananas. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, she was on it. I, like a fool, I said, how are you today? I said, are you having a good day? I thought, holy cow, man, I want to hire her. I finally got her attention, and I said, it seems like you're a little stressed today. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said, well, I just want to tell you something. I hope you have the greatest day ever. She stopped all of her zooming and literally looked at me like I'd just given her a $100 bill. And I thought to myself, it didn't cost me anything. Just, to be, just I mean, and I'm, I'm not a naturally nice person. Y'all know that. I mean, when, when you do all of those temperament assessments and everything, I mean, how I'm a pastor, I have no idea. Like, if you just looked at the temperament assessment alone on me, I must hate people. And just standing there, I just looked at and I said, I hope you have the greatest day ever. I wonder what might happen if we were a people that said we have to understand servanthood. That it's, yes, sometimes it involves money, sometimes it involves time, but most often it just involves a spirit that says, I want to do right because I'm a child of God. Oftentimes, it's the willingness to say, wait a minute, there's another way to look at this. Well, Jesus teaches us this word doulos, all right? Now, I don't want you to, don't want you to get these words because it happens when Jesus is with his disciples at the Last Supper. So it was customary in that day that when you went to someone's house for dinner, that the servant, the lowest servant in the house would wash everybody's feet. Now, you might think, well, that's a little weird. I mean, you know, we don't do that now. And, you know, that's probably because of toe fungus. But beyond that, you, we, we, they would wash feet. But they wash feet for a certain reason. They had been walking all day long, either barefoot or on those little, little uh, strips of leather. And they'd walk through dust and mud and grass. And they walked through the emissions of their transportation of the day. And by the end of the day, their feet were nasty. And they didn't put their feet under a table. They would have reclined, typically on their left, pillow under the shoulder, feet straight out. And so the guy that's next to them, your feet were in his face. Could I get just one gross out of that? That's gross, right? So washing feet would be a big deal. So nobody starts washing the feet. 
of Jesus or the disciples. So Jesus grabs a basin and a towel and he goes and he wipes and cleans and washes the feet of the disciples, the feet, the feet of, disciple, of the disciples. And, and, and they're a little caught backward because in the middle of this, they're trying to talk about who's the greatest. I mean, they're caught up in talking about who's the coolest, who's the greatest, who's the best, who I'm best friends with Jesus, not you. You know, do you love me? Check yes or no. I mean, they're, they're in the middle of foolishness like that. And Jesus is busy washing their feet. And he introduces three different ways in which he uses the term servanthood. The first one is called doulos. Now, doulos is like a bond servant, all right? Doulos would mean you have been paid, you have been purchased, you have been bought, and you do what the lowest servant on the, on the totem pole would do. Doulos, all right? It is sitting down, and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be last and so the last becomes first in Jesus's economy because he serves them with a doulos. The second term he uses is diakonos. Now diakonos is a different animal altogether. We get the word deacon from diakonos. This is, this is a diakonos is whoever wants to be great becomes a servant but they must first become a slave. So it's not you were bought it's not that you are owned. It's not that you don't have the title of a servant, but you take the title of a servant on. In other words, you decide you're going to be that kind of servant. You make a choice. And then the third word that he uses is huperetes, huperetes. And this is the under rower. That's what it literally means is an under rower. So like you watch old Ben-Hur movie, you see the guys in the bottom of the Roman ship rowing and rowing and rowing, and they got the guy whipping them on the back, and that's an under rower, somebody that does the most difficult and hardest job out there. That is what happens because it is highly possible that you have to take on the doulos, the diakonos, or the huperetes in your life if you're going to become that person that God says, I want to bless you richly. But I, I want you to know that it's very probable that if you want to move forward in becoming all God wants you to be and let that meter in your life grow taller and taller and fuller and But watch this. The scripture says, do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. And here's my favorite word value. You do what you do because you value some other part of God's creation. Not you value only people that are like you. You value all of God's creation. When you do, you're not looking to your own interests, but to each of you of the interests of others. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you do all the right things, the right reason at the right time, I'm going to bless you. And Paul comes behind him in his letters to the Philippians and says, when you do it because you value other people, now God's richly going to do this. A true servant, friend, a true servant has something unique in this world. Are you ready? I don't want you to miss this and we'll wrap up with these few thoughts. A true servant puts service over status. It's not who we claim we are, it's what we do. In other words, walk the talk or hush. And when you do, make sure you're doing something before you go out there to do it to get credit for it. Because if you're doing it for the wrong motivation, the blessing doesn't follow. It's like everything I've said here for 10 years, it's always a matter of the heart. Secondly, I want you to know that a true servant is going to put character over comfort. 
character over what's comfortable. In other words, am I doing the about my comfort, I am listening to the easiest possible way out. But watch this, serving is never easy. I'll promise you, if you're trying to help people, somebody's going to critique you. If you're trying to help people, somebody's going to break your heart. But that doesn't change the fact that the blessing is there when you do the right thing at the right reason. You say, well, well Chuck, how do I know how they're going to spend that money, that $5 I gave them? You don't. And that's not your job. If God puts them in a path for you to serve them, you serve them. And what happens to them afterwards on them, not on you? You are not the police of gift. You're simply called to honor God and obey him. A true servant does a few other things too. A true servant puts we in front of me. Isn't that true? I mean, a true servant makes it about we. True Christ-like service means collaborating instead of always competing. True Christ-like service is about, I want to help you succeed rather than I want to make sure I beat you. And watch this, a true servant puts worship always above wealth. Human wealth will never give you what spiritual worship will, ever. You say, well, Chuck, I, I could still use a little more human wealth. I'm with you. I could too. But it'll never fix what true worship will. It will never change your heart like worship will. It will never change your priorities like true worship will. If you really want to grow your faith, then make a commitment to serve. You say, well, Chuck, listen, let me wrap up because it's time to go. But I fear as Christians, more often than not, we treat service like it has to be something big. Right? I'm going to wait till the church has this mission, and I'm going I'm to go across the world. I want to stop here and say this. If you're not willing to help your neighbor across the street, you don't deserve the right to go across the world. If you're not willing to share Jesus at your kid's ballpark, don't sign up to go to Haiti with me. If you're not willing to serve the least of these, knowing that you're doing that for Christ and to him, knowing he's going to bless you for doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason, if you're not willing to do that right here, don't sign up and go to the Yucatan Peninsula. Because you've got to earn your right to go over there and do it. Because the way Jesus described he does his work is he says, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to take old Ron right here. And Ron is going to fall in love with Christ. And Christ is going to give him those, those gifts of the Spirit. And Ron's going to figure out what those are. And we're around him. We're going to affirm him in those gifts. And he goes and he does the right thing and the right reason for the, for the right purpose. And God pours out his blessings on him. And, and Sue next to him and say, well, I wish it could be a little more financial, Lord. That'd be really cool. And Ron's like, yeah, but we're going to take whatever it is. And God continues to bless them. And then he says, but wait a minute. I, I, I got so blessed by that that it actually did more for me than I did them. I just want to keep on doing this. God, would you put more people in my path? And along the way, what we realize is sometimes if we really would just stop and recognize this one thing. By the way, if you've already quit on me, look right here. I'm wrapping up. You ready? If you want to change this world and make America best, just live in the grace of Jesus. Period. Now... I'm begging you to listen to your pastor here. Are you ready? If Trump wins or Biden wins, could I just say to you, God's on the throne. He is not limited by either of those guys. 
He is not limited by their party's platform. He is not limited by their belief system. He is not limited to donkeys and elephants. He is not limited to stupid debates that sound like four-year-olds. He is not limited to all that foolishness. God is not limited. He is waiting for his children to lead this world by caring for other people in the name of Jesus and pour out grace after grace after grace after grace so that you are filled over and over and over and over again and you literally become a sieve where grace is just pouring out of you to help other people. And if you want America to be all she could be, start today. Let grace flow all the way through you. Come on. Just let it flow through you. Because he is good, and you are always loved. Let's pray. God, there's folks watching online and in this room today, and, man, they've never received that kind of grace because they've never trusted you. God, I'm, I'm grateful you didn't make us walk an aisle or swing from chandeliers to ask you to come on our life. You said, call on the name of the Lord. So God, the best we know how, we're going to call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you right now. I want your best. God, for some of us in this room, we've been, we've been walking with Jesus so long, we forgot all about that you want to bless us richly if we just go out there and act more like you. Just be gracious and be kind and be loving and be generous and be grateful. God, put people on our path today that would cause us to stop and serve them. And then, God, blow our minds when you show up and, and let your Holy Spirit pat us on the back and say, that's my kid. This week, guard and protect our heart. Don't let us get sucked into the angry violence of the world today. God, let your children rise above all that foolishness and let us be people of grace. God, I know you hear us, so I ask you to open up heaven and pour grace on us today. For every need, open up your mercy. For every broken heart, pour out your love. God, we hear you and we praise you. God, I thank you for these officers and all the other folks that are out there serving us so well. Protect them and guard them. God, in this upcoming election, I... More than anything, I pray that your children would just be grace-filled and we just wouldn't join the hate speak. God, let us rise above the world's foolishness. I pray that in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. In a minute, I'm going to dismiss you when you do if you'd go out the doors to your left. If you've got a child downstairs, would you be kind enough to send one of you down there and grab the kids and then... Uh, head out. But before you go, I want to leave you with this blessing. Because man, I'm telling you, we need this. Let the Lord go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy and fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. I love that. When days are difficult, man, let him come around behind you and pick you up and carry you, not around the mess, but right through the middle of it so that you can know what grace feels like. Because, you know, you never know what grace is until you need it. And then when you need it and it's there, it's just nothing like it. 
Because then he can set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his big loving arms around you and look you in the eye and say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Gosh, I love y'all. Go in peace.